Hi everyone, I'm Leora, and this is the Simply Lighthearted Podcast. I believe that we are all made for connection, and stories are one of the ways that we connect together. This week's episode is our fourth and final week of Advent. We've spent the previous weeks going through different themes that Advent brings and gives to each one of us. Advent is such a special time, and I think it's special because it invites us into a place that none of us really like to be. We have to be so intentional about getting into this place and then staying there. We don't like to dip into the zone of our lives. And the zone that I'm talking about is kind of this middle, mundane, messy part of our lives. We want to move from celebration to celebration, from mountaintop to mountaintop, and forget about the trudging that happens in between each one. But it's in that trudging that we find the most magnificent growth and beauty. It doesn't feel like that while we're in there. To be honest, it's one of the places I hate being most, and I've spent most of my adult life learning how to numb out from those places using things like social media or TV or even food to give myself a little bit of breathing room from being in a space that feels so tight and so dark, that middle space of waiting in the unknown. So why would we create a whole season around celebrating that? Why would we put ourselves in this position, in this place for four weeks where we spend so much of our time thinking about the mundane and the messy, where we look at these dark moments in history that led up to the birth of Jesus? Well, I think it's so important because often we like to play the highlight reel of the Bible and of people's lives. We see that kind of throughout history and then even more so now, I think more than ever with social media, we see these highlight reels and when we are faced with our own middle, with our own mess, it just feels so dark and heavy and all we want to do is escape. But I think Advent is this beautiful season that invites us to learn how to sit a little bit more in the tension of this season that we really struggle with as people. We forget how important the middle really is, where that mess happens, where it feels uncomfortable in and all around us, in the places in between. There's so much that can happen in our hearts and our minds when we sit in this uncomfortable place and wait. But that's just it. We kind of have to sit here and wait. And that is so hard to do. I personally hate it. I kind of want to take a little bit of a journey through the Israelite story, especially right when they were beginning their commitment or their covenant with God, because I think that their history shows us a really important reflection on our own. The reason why I feel so connected, I think, with the nation of Israel is because that this chosen nation, the one that God said, you are my people, and they said, you are our God, they were really terrible at waiting. They were really terrible, especially at waiting about the unknown. They didn't want to be in that uncomfortable place. They wanted to move forward. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that we need to pay attention to. Their story connects so well with my story. And if that's true for me, I feel like it might be true for more of us. Let's go back to the part 
in the story of Israel where God has brought them out of the land of Egypt. There's kind of these numbers that are thrown around about how many people there were, but there was about a million people that left the land of Egypt in one big caravan of people, probably mostly by foot, leaving this land where they had been slaves for 400 years, taking everything that they own with them that they could carry, and also any of these goods that were given to them from the Egyptians. They were commanded to go and get gold or other um, valuables from their neighbors. And the people did. The Egyptians just wanted them to leave. After all the plagues that had happened and they saw the power of God, they were like, take anything you want and just go. And so the Israelites had left Egypt, this land, the only land that they've ever known. And now they're leaving and going out into the desert, into an unknown place. They know that they're supposed to end up in the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that God had promised to their forefather Abraham, and then to Isaac, and then to Jacob. And that promise had filtered through all of those tribes and nations in Israel. And they had been waiting for that time where they could go back to the land that God had promised them. Well, finally, the time had come and they left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've gotten to the other side. God makes a covenant with the people of Israel. He says, if you will be my people and you will worship me alone, then I will be your God. And I will, and he went on to keep his promises that he had made before. He would bless them. He would bring them into the land that God, that he had promised to them. And that as long as they kept their side of the promise, then he would keep his side of the promise of protecting them, blessing them and keeping them safe. So Israel was there, they were waiting uh, for their next steps, for their next moves, but before they could, God needed to give them some instructions on what it meant to be a light to the nations, what it meant to be God's people, ones that would show through their actions and their words, how they treated one another, how they treated the land, how they worshipped God, they would show like that relationship of who God is and what that means for people on earth. So Moses had gone up the mountainside to get that information from God. And while he was gone, the people were to wait. And they waited. There was no timeline given to the people about how long they would have to wait. But they were asked to wait until Moses came back with these instructions from God. The people were feeling anxious. They were feeling worried. They, they had never lived in a place where they had freedom like they had there. They were so used to their days being dictated and they had routines and things that they were supposed to do. And when they were out in the desert just waiting on Moses, they had no idea what to do with themselves. And they felt really vulnerable. They felt like there was potentially like, what is going to happen? What if another army comes in? Or what if the Egyptians come? Or how are we so like, shouldn't we keep moving in the direction that we were supposed to be going? Like this waiting, is it really that valuable? Well, it really was because there was a lot going on behind the scenes that the Israelites couldn't and didn't see. Moses was up on the mountain and having a conversation with God about all of the things that the people of Israel needed to know about worshiping him. But instead of the people waiting and having this patient personality, they started to have fear and they started to look in other directions 
for something that would help them with this fear. And what they decided to do is that they were going to create another God. They were going to do the one thing that God asked them not to do, to worship something else or someone else other than him. The whole point of them being God's people was that they would have one deity, they would have one God, and it was the one true God that they were worshiping. But because of their fear and their anxiety and their worry and sitting in the middle of the mess of the unknown, they had to create a distraction. They had to create something for themselves. This is sounding so familiar for my heart. I don't know how many times I've gone through my life and I get into these positions where I don't know what to do next. And instead of sitting quietly waiting for the Lord to talk to me or give me my next thing or even just learn to be still, I get busy and I start doing things and I start or I distract myself away from what I could be doing and listening. The Israelites were doing the same thing. God knows what's happening down below the mountain, but Moses doesn't. He doesn't know that the Israelites have started to go their own way and started to build this idol. God tells Moses angrily that he is going to destroy the Israelites. He is so done with them and he is going to start again. He had just rescued them from Egypt. They had just made this covenant and instead of obeying God, they had to wait a short amount of time and God would come through for them if they would wait for him. But instead, their disobedience is like a slap in the face to God. He decides that he's just going to start over again. God's like, I'm done. I'm going to start over with you, Moses. These people, we're just going to wipe them out. <laughs> and Moses begs God to listen to him and allow the people to live. Because if he allows them to live, then he's just going to show the world even more the kindness and merciful God that he is. I always am baffled at part, that part of the story. I just can't imagine being Moses and being like, um, actually, God, I think that you should be kinder. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. It just seems like such a funny conversation and so much courage on Moses' part. But God agrees. He agrees that he will not wipe out this Israelite nation, that he will continue to be their God. And so Moses goes down the mountain and he is livid. He is so angry at the people. Can you not have waited? Do you know, want to know how many days it was? It was 40 days. I mean, that's not a short amount of time, but really it's not that long. They had waited 400 years to be rescued from Egypt. And here they only had to wait 40 days for God to give a message to Moses for him to come down. And they would have been able to keep moving forward. Because the Israelites didn't know how many more days to wait or if Moses had died or what had happened to him, they created this idol to worship. You know what? It's so easy for me to judge the Israelites from this side of history. But if I'm being really honest, I know my heart and I know that I probably wouldn't have even lasted 40 days. I give up on God when I'm in the dark waiting for something to happen. I want something to move or something to change or how to take the next step. And I ask God for that. And instead of answering me, he asks me to sit in the middle of the unknown for just a little bit longer. Does he tell me how much longer? No, not usually. <laughs> 
I just want to move and God is not telling me where or how or what. That's the tension that Advent asks us to sit in. It's not a pretty tension. That season of waiting, that reminder that something good happens to us when we wait. It's actually really hard to sit and stay in this place and still focus on the truth of who God is. That's why there's lots of prompts out there and lots of places to go to remind our hearts and keep it on track for when we sit in the season of longing and waiting. There's good things that happen for us in that place. Each week we've taken a theme from Christmas, one that's usually deeply associated with Christmas. Of course, it has to do with all of the seasons of the year, but we tend to focus on these specific themes a lot more on Christmas. Hope love, joy. And then this week's theme is peace. What could it be that causes this ugly reaction in us as we wait for the unknown? I'd like to propose that it's our lack of peace, that we do not trust that God is in this mess with us, or maybe that he'll never get us out of this mess. As messy as this middle is and how yucky it feels inside of us, I think one of the main reasons is because it's like this mirror gets pulled up in front of us. And it's not a physical mirror. It's this mirror that allows us to see inside of us. And as we're sitting in this mud pit, it this vibrant, vivid mirror gives us a 360 look at our hearts. And we don't want to see what's in there sometimes. It shows up and and we begin to ask ourselves some really dark questions, important questions. But when we can't find the answer, they feel so heavy. Questions like, who am I? Am I doing what I was thought I was supposed to be doing? Am I doing what God wants me to do or what I want to do? I feel these gaping holes inside of me. And why is that? Is there something I'm missing? Can this life be enough? We have these deep existential questions when that mirror, that 360 vibrant, vivid mirror looks at our insides and we go, what do we do with this? I think there's two ways we can answer those questions. The first is that we could answer those questions by looking at ourselves and we can think, you know, what, what is true and, and where could I muster up? Like, am I enough? Well, I'm going to say I'm enough. It's an affirmation that I've been trying to teach myself that I'm good enough, that all of these things. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to look inward and I'm going to say those words. And we, we dig around inside of us to try to find the places where we can muster up the strength to fill those holes inside of us. And I don't think that that's completely wrong. I think there's a good introspection that happens in there. But I also think that there's something that won't happen if we don't go for the second way to answer these questions. The second way to answer these questions is to bring them to Jesus and ask him what is true and what is right through his view. And do you know what he's going to tell you? He's going to ask you to put him in those holes, in those gaping places that feel empty inside of you. Let me step into the gap of where you feel less than, is what Jesus says. And as you allow him to do that, do you know what you'll feel? Peace. Because the peace that the Bible talks about is so much more than the absence of war. 
sometimes we think about peace as this place of where tension isn't. And that's part of it. But the gift of peace that God brings is the shalom of God. He brings our lives to wholeness and completeness. That's the gift of peace from God. It's what all the pieces of who you are are made whole in him. That is what peace is. Christmas is such an important season because what Jesus brings to us in the manger is peace. He brings with him the pieces of us that are missing because of our fall. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Prince that brings with him everything that makes us complete. I'd like to end our episode today with a Christmas story. And just to remind our hearts that Jesus came in this way to be our peace. Mary was nine months pregnant when she and Joseph had to travel from Galilee all the way to Bethlehem. They had to travel that far because the emperor of that time, he wanted to count and see how many people were living in the land that he was responsible for. When he knew the count of how many people lived there, he knew how much taxes he could charge and how much money he could make. All the people had to return to the land of their ancestors. No matter where they were living, they had to go to the place that their tribe was from, where they were originally from when they settled into the land. That could have been a really complicated thing because it had been generations of people that had moved throughout the land. But Israel was such a nation that they were really careful about following their family lines, knowing where they were from, what tribe they were from, what city they were from in that tribal area. And so people would know that even though if they were living in Galilee, they knew that they were from Bethlehem. And so Joseph and Mary had to travel from Galilee all the way to Bethlehem. That was about a two and a half day walk if you were going a normal human pace. I'm not sure at nine months pregnant that they got there very quickly. And I'm not sure at what point in the census that they traveled. It could have been right at the very beginning when the the decree came out that they had to travel. Or maybe they had a timeline and they were waiting for the baby to be born and thought, after the baby's born, let's just go. But maybe the baby was late. Maybe they thought they should go now and, and just figure it out when they got there. I'm not sure the timing of the reasoning of why they went when Mary was so heavily pregnant. But that's when they went. They arrived in the town of Bethlehem. And when they got there, there was no place for them to stay. That part of the story always breaks my heart. And I wonder, I wonder why they had no place to stay. I think sometimes about Joseph and, and Mary. And, and this was their ancestral town, which means that they probably had some distant relatives that lived in the town of Bethlehem. Why couldn't they find a place to stay? Had they been shut out by their family and shunned because of Mary's pregnancy? They probably weren't able to hold a great big wedding because of the way that things worked for them, the way that Mary was pregnant and Joseph wasn't the father. I'm not sure the reasoning. It could just be simply the fact that they didn't have any connections in Bethlehem and so they had nowhere to go. That could very well just be it. 
But it could also be that they were just very alone in the world at that time. I'm not sure, but it could have been either. When they arrived, there was often a place where people could go that weren't from that area that was kind of like an inn. It wasn't like a hotel that we would see now. It was usually more of just a family home that had a bigger space where people could come and sleep on the floor. But that wouldn't have been a very good place for someone to give birth because it was a great big open room that the people would all sleep in together. Giving birth to a child in an inn wasn't the same of having your own room in a hotel. You would have given birth in front of a lot of people and in doing so you also would have made all of those people in their culture unclean. So Joseph went out to find the best place that he could that was warm and dry and outside of the elements of a cool night for Mary to go and give birth. Now I know that when women go into labor, it's not usually a quick and fast thing. Usually there's several hours of labor pains. I can imagine that Mary was very much in pain and concerned about the strong feelings around her abdomen as the tightness contracted around her. She probably was afraid of where is she going to give birth to this baby? How is this going to happen and where are they going to do this? Also, is Joseph equipped to be a midwife? Usually there was an experienced family member that would be with you or somebody from that town that would have had the experience of helping a woman give birth before. But instead, she has Joseph, who would have been very unexperienced at helping her give birth. I can imagine them being in the barn trying to clear out some space that would make the floor a little cleaner, laying a blanket down, trying to give somewhere for Mary to go while she's about to give birth. Joseph tightly holding Mary's hand as she pushes through each contraction, wiping the sweat off her brow as she cries out in pain. Joseph, unsure of what to do, helps Mary give birth. They take baby Jesus and lay it on Mary. Mary looks at this baby in wonder, just like any mother would do, looking at her precious baby having been born and the wonderment of all of the ways that this came to be. I don't know what complex feelings that Joseph would have felt. This son of his that wasn't his, that he's adopted and agreed to raise and is walking alongside Mary through life with this baby and he looks down at it and Mary's face filled with wonder, exhaustion, and joy. Mary takes this baby and she wraps it in what she has, strips of cloth, and she lays it, not in a crib, not in a bed, in a manger in a place where animals feed from. They relax and settle in for the night. Perhaps Joseph went out to find something to eat or drink. I'm sure they both would have been very hungry and thirsty at that point. It had been a long several days of them traveling through to Bethlehem and now several hours of her laboring and giving birth to Jesus just want us to remember these are real people with real lives. That this is a 16 or 17, maybe 20 year old woman who's given birth for the first time. 
in a barn. Joseph and Mary settle in for the night. But their night of celebration is not over. Because out in the fields nearby, there's some shepherds. And the shepherds are out watching their sheep. And they're watching over them, probably taking shifts over who's awake and who's sleeping. Making sure that there's no wildlife that's coming in and stealing their sheep. Or other shepherds taking from their flock. Keeping their eyes open and just observing the, the world around them. Staring up at the sky and seeing the beautiful stars. And as they do so, a bright light shines in the sky and the shepherds are terrified. They're so scared. These angels, remember angels aren't these like cutesy little creatures. They're these magnificent alien creatures that people had not ever seen before. And they come bright and shining in this dark night sky. The shepherds were so afraid, but the angels tell them, don't be afraid, which I think is hilarious because what is the one thing you don't tell people when they're like freaking out? Calm down! <laughs> the shepherds are terrified and the angels say, don't be afraid. I come with really good news. And they share the good news about how Jesus, the Messiah, had been born. And the shepherds are the first to hear about it. They're the ones to go and tell all people about it. They sing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. Peace has come to earth through Jesus. Jesus brings peace. When the shepherds saw that the angels had left, they decided to go to Bethlehem and find this baby that was in a manger somewhere. And if a baby is in a manger somewhere, then it must be in a barn. And a barn in Bethlehem? They probably knew where every one of them are. I don't know how many they looked in before they got to Jesus, but they probably went through a couple of them trying to find this baby that had been born. And when they did find him, they came in and they worshipped this brand new, hours old baby. Mary watched as they came in. She saw the wonder and excitement in their eyes. She saw this gaggle of men come through the doors of the barn, excited and terrified all in one. I can't imagine what that might have felt like for Mary in the moment being like, uh, what are you guys doing here? I've just given birth or um, who are you? Why are you here? But when they immediately went to worship, Mary's response was to put those things in her heart and think about them, to think about the ways that God had been faithful and good to her and the ways that God had been faithful and good to the people. The shepherds left there and they told anybody that would listen to them all the things that they saw and all the things that they had heard. And anyone who heard their story was amazed at it. I mean, who wouldn't be? What a story. Amazing, beautiful story of God's faithfulness just being shown prior to this, prior to Jesus' birth. Do you want to know how many years it had been that the people waited in silence? 400 years. The people waited for 400 years, wondering if God had forgotten about them. 
sitting in the mess of that middle and quiet and silence, in the uncomfortableness of waiting for God to do what he said he would do. God does good work in that mess. While he does that good work, we can remind our hearts that he is with us. He brings with him through Jesus coming to earth as a baby, wrapping himself in humanity. He brings with him peace. And that's what he has to offer you and me. Peace, shalom, wholeness. You and I can be complete because Jesus came to earth as a baby. Isn't that beautiful? That's all I have for my story today. Thank you so much for listening in through this Advent series. I've really enjoyed putting it together. I hope that you have a very great week and Merry Christmas, everyone.